Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera. This is part of our little mini series with Brandon Anderson as we are talking about all things MBA with the money, contract talks, best contracts, worst contracts. How do these teams fit? How do you get the trades going on? So if you didn't listen to our first episode, go check that one out. We broke down some of the new free agency moves and some of the trades and how that's going to impact the MBA. And then for this episode, we're going to be talking about the 15 worst contracts in the NBA. Brandon's got a nice little list compiled here. I generally agree with this list, but you know, you'll you'll see if I give any pushback on any of these guys. Uh but it's nice to have Brandon here. He's really helping me out because as you guys know and I've talked about, I'm getting married and we're going to try to slow roll this content for you. So we're recording this before the wedding and uh you know, it should be coming out while I'm away so that we have some good cash that podcast podcast information and episodes for you. But uh, Brandon, how you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm excited for you to get married to I mean, officially, officially, you're married already. Like it's, it's like an already but not yet situation, but excited for you to have the ceremony of everything. I'm about to get out of here and head to North Dakota, uh, which is not at all like being married, but is a chance <laughs> to get off the grid for a while. So yeah, I, I, I spent my last couple of weeks watching a lot of summer ball and just like I, I got my crazy spreadsheets of every team, every player, contract, all ranked in order by asset, all the draft picks. And so just like adding in the new rookies, like, like I don't know about you. I, this is probably just a me thing. I used to play a lot of sports video games growing up. Yeah. And I loved like when they had like franchise mode, I'd spend all like 95% of my time like I would purposely not buy the new game because I would take my old game and turn it into the new year. And I'd be like, no, 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 I'm adding the player myself. I know their speed and their acceleration and all like, I'm going to put them in myself. And I'd take the old guys and I'd like update them to their new abilities, looking at their stats and everything. I feel like this is like my, is this an adult version? Maybe this is just still my kid version of doing that. So the, the, all, all the stuff we're doing is just like the outpouring of, Okay, so I've done all that. I've got my like chessboard set for the new league year. And what have I noticed along the way about all this money stuff? Yeah, no, I think it's 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 a fascinating thing because I always remember doing it uh, when I was younger. I always wanted to get the update because I didn't want to spend the time to put the people <laughs> in. Um, but then like it got a lot better as things got as you started getting like the internet that you connect the system to it and then you could just download somebody else's roster that had like the people <laughs> in the middle of the season. But uh, it's definitely really fun and it's definitely interesting. And I think one of the things that you kind of notice when you're doing those GM moves and things like that, you're like, well, like I can't trade this guy for this guy because of this contract or whatever and like i remember just always giving like max offers to people because i was like no i want them on my team and now <laughs> i'm thinking about it, i'm like oh like you can't do that that was i was a bad gm <laughs> so. you were you you would have you were the gm for today's episode joe you would have been all your contracts would have showed up on the on brandon's worst video game contracts tears episode. So that's a good setup for today. <laughs> it's it's literally perfect. I remember when I was doing it with Madden, I would just franchise everyone. I was like, why am I not? Like, <laughs> like you can't go anywhere. <laughs> you're, so. you're a bad owner, a bad GM as far as team building, but you were just like a bad person owner too. You were like the, 
like the bad guy from like Space Jam that like entrapped the guys and wouldn't let them leave anywhere. Exactly. I was like, nope, you're staying. I, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> One year deal though. Um, so I think that leads us into here a bit. I know that you kind of had some guys that were close. Uh, do you want to touch on them? You want? Let's start with them, and then I guess we'll uh, we'll kind of go as you have these tiers broken down. Yeah. So let me, let me touch on, on like the methodology a little bit too, just for people that don't want to hear the nerdery of how we got here is, and we talked about this in the first episode, again, you're going to want to listen to all these in order probably, because we'll kind of carry on some of the stuff we talked about, but effectively like at the top of the last episode, we talked about the, the rising salary cap and you know, the different thing of like where an average salary used to be maybe 15 million for an average starter and how that's gone up. And how the cap's going to continue to rise, probably 10% a year for multiple years into the future. So seeing all that, I then basically go through and not for rookie deals, because rookie deals are locked in on their lower numbers, but for anything that's basically not a max deal, not a rookie deal, or even really for the max guys, I then say, okay, well, what are you actually worth? Uh, By the way, I also rank every player in the league every year by position, because I think... That stuff matters. Like I, I like to rank things anyway, but like if I know a guy is about the eighth best point guard or the 15th best point guard, like I need to know that because that tells me how good the player is going to be compared to his peers and how it helps yeah. the team. That tells me how much is that guy worth? Is he an above average starter, eighth best, or is he an average starter, 15th best? So after all that, I basically give, here's what I think is the fair market value of of what a player should be worth. That's probably not even fair to call it fair market because everyone gets overpaid in the market. But here's what a player should be worth to their team based on the rules in place and the salary cap. And then I just kind of start to rank from there. So uh, going off of that, I have two groups of dishonorable mentions. You can't really be honorable mention when it's the worst contracts tier. So dishonorable mentions. First, there's guys that I think uh, that probably people listening might expect would be on this list. And honestly, we talked about a bunch of these guys already in the first episode. So first kind of group of dishonorable mentions, these aren't really in any order, but these are the brand new contracts. They're bad. They're not contracts I want. They all are to me negative contracts, um, but they're not awful contracts. They are not quite bad enough to make the list. So guys who for me fall into that list, uh, Chris Middleton, I talked about him on Twitter. Initially, he barely made it into this top 15. Uh, We talked about how his money ended up coming in like $9 million under the total. He does have that player option, which I think is bad because it is a danger for the team. doesn't help them. But Middleton just slipped out of my top 15 now. He's a good player. Obviously, they they need him there. Kyle Kuzma, surprisingly, much as we know, I hate Kyle (laughs) Kuzma. I do not think he's even an average starter. What is he like four for 90 or something? It's crazy. I will say I won't hear the Kyle Kuzma slander just because of the (laughs) one triple double that he's got. That's that's true. Kyle Kuzma has made you some money and fame. So (laughs) we we got guys listening to this podcast right now, specifically because of Kyle Kuzma. Probably, honestly. That's fair. We'll leave the (laughs) Kuzma slander out. Uh, Our guys, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, uh, Nick Vucevic, my Chicago Bull with his extension. Isaiah Stewart on that extension, Jakob Pertl, all of these to me contracts are, are overpaid. That's how free agency goes. Like guys are always going to get more than what they really should. That's basically what happens in all of these deals, but they did not get egregiously overpaid. Uh, and again, 
a big part of that, like we talked about in the first episode, the cap keeps going up. So where most of these guys, like the main thing I'm going on here is I'll call marginal value. So I say, okay, this guy got paid four years, $100 million. I have him worth four years, $80 million. That is a marginal value cost of $20 million. So that means over the next four years, you are hurting your team $20 million. That matters because that's $20 million you can't spend on somebody else. Yeah. And But even then, not all $20 million are created equal. That's $20 million over four years, $5 million a year. That's not nothing. That's what most of these guys are. Something in that range is like $5 million a year. But like, you know, what can you really get in the NBA for $5 million these days, right? Like you're getting, you're getting a Reggie Jackson for $5 million, who, by the way, also can't make the list. He sucks. He's going to hurt the team. He's not helpful. I don't know why they signed him. I don't get it at all. But you can't be on the worst contracts group if you only make $5 million a year. Like you just, yeah. you're not damaging enough. So it's that's that not, group. It's not enough sunk cost. Exactly. Exactly. This is all about like, to be on this list, you got to be real expensive to start. And, and so we'll get there. Just regular dishonorable mentions. These are basically like 16 to 20 range on the list. These are guys who effectively are kind of tied with the last guys we'll get to but it's more fun to pick the guys I did. So CJ McCollum, <laughs> just off the list, his contract's only three years. Shorter deals are better because it's not as much pain for as long. Duncan Robinson, we'll talk about one of his teammates soon. Terry Rozier, Anthony Simons. I, I think we know, Joe, I, I hate the combo guard, like the scoring sixth man combo guard that scores a bunch of points and gets overpa- overpaid, overvalued. That's Rozier, that's Simons. And uh, that, that will lead well into the guys we actually have in my top or bottom 15, depending on how you want to think about it. I know. Like, because I know how you're starting this list. Like, I'm looking at the list right now. <laughs> and it's interesting because you have tier four as damaging players getting paid like they're good. And <laughs> it's interesting because I kind of understand where you're coming from. Like, this part of the list, I'm like looking at it. I'm like, all right, fair, fair there all right like this guy like (laughs) (laughs) so i'll let you uh i'll let you give this it's a group of five players yeah uh i think it might be best like let's hear who the five are in uh in order from least to so 15 14 that that type of order okay and so these guys are all about marginal cost around 30 million dollars to their team so that means that i'm basically saying they're all getting paid around 30 million more over the life of their contract than to their team. Number 11 is actually closer to 50, but kind of fit into this tier the right way. So Joe, for you, I started out at number 15. We had to start here with our guy, RJ Barrett, New York Knickerbocker, four years, $107 million. Right after him, Tyler Hero. Interesting name on the list we'll have to talk about because obviously that in all likelihood is the centerpiece of the Damian Lillard trade, apparently. Yeah. Four years, $120 million for him. Next up is one of those new contracts. There's only two of those now on the list. Dylan Brooks, four years, $86 million. After that, doesn't really fit this group the same way, but just had to slot in somewhere as Lonzo Ball. Only two years, $42 million. Player option on that deal. We don't know if we're going to even see him in the NBA again. So not doesn't really fit this. He is a, a quality player. He does not fit with these other guys, but... You it's just play. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. His situation you gotta get the sucks. Court. Like, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about him. And then last one, number 11. And again, reason he's highest in this group is because he's getting paid the most four years, 123 million. He's also the oldest. So less time to get better. That's Jordan Poole, 
And he's another one that we saw him traded as well this summer. And I think we saw him traded in part because his contract was shaping up to look pretty damaging and Golden State needed to get rid of the money while they still could. So 15, RJ Barrett, 14, Tyler Hero, 13, Dylan Brooks, 12, Lonzo Ball, 11, Jordan Poole. So I guess my question for you on this list, right, is of these players, I think Lonzo is interesting. Like Lonzo, I think you almost have to consider is just like, it's just as unfortunate. Like yeah. I think Lonzo, I think was, I think honestly, this contract for Alonzo, had he been healthy, we might have been looking at this saying this is one of the best value contracts. Yes, absolutely. Honestly, like I think he was that good prior to the injury. So the conversation around him, I think is like, it's just his unfortunate situation yeah. for Chicago, for a team that kind of went all in on like older dudes that don't do a lot of things right. But like Lonzo <laughs> kind of tied all of that together, yeah. right? Like as like a secondary facilitator or a primary facilitator, if he needed to be a good shooter, like good defense, like whatever of the other four. Uh, no, actually let's not even count Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks sucks. Um, <laughs> like, Hey, that's the- Canadian national national <laughs> team, Dylan Brooks to you. But yeah, right. Dylan Brooks, <laughs> Dylan Brooks is, if you read my article, I posted recently on Twitter, I do the 30th team all NBA. Like I, I rank all NBA all the way down. First, second, third, fourth, sixth, 10th, all the way. Dylan Brooks is my worst team all NBA. And he is my LVP for the year. He is my least valuable player. I respect that, that dude. Go look at his numbers, his advanced metrics, and his negatives, Vorps and Schwarps and all that. He led in minutes the Memphis Grizzlies, who coasted to the two seed. Do you have any idea how hard it is to be this? damaging of a player by all the numbers to lead in minutes a two seed like it's, it's crazy it's unbelievable so he yeah was, he, leave him out of this he's 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 bad <laughs> so i think because the other ones are like they're all young right so i think yes. that's like at least the one thing that you have with rj hero yep. and pool pool change of scenery maybe that helps him maybe it doesn't I, I don't really know i can't imagine leaving golden state necessarily being a good thing for you especially given the fact that he was like yeah. in a way like a little bit ousted right like he just it just was like no like this isn't gonna work with with these three players who do you think has the ability or like the most likely a highest likelihood to get out of this type of tier yeah. and like, and say like, all oh, right, like this guy's got a little bit more potential than somebody else. So I think really that that's the right question to be asking. And it's a question I've learned as I've done the same exercise over maybe six or seven years. Now I've learned where to leave guys out. Like initially when I did my just marginal values, I a similar player in this vein, but like the good version of them is Devin Booker and Devin Booker has slowly become the good version of them over time. And then we saw him be like molten lava in the playoffs and like, you know, win games on his own against the champions against Denver. So I've learned in time to be careful of the things you're saying is, okay, these guys are young. Can they earn their way off of the deal? And also I'm learning better the cap keeps on going up. So what looks like a bad deal now might become a bargain later if the guy makes that leap. So to me, the the order that I have them in is directly an answer to your question. So praise to RJ Barrett, the least damaging (laughs) of the damaging players. I mean, he was was good in the playoffs. Like he had a few like ghastly shooting games. That's just not what he should be. But like, Like, look, Andrew Wiggins would have been on this list for me for years and years and years. Like I I treated, I gave him the Dylan Brooks treatment. I dumped on that guy a lot as a Timberwolves fan. I just, I've said a lot of bad things about Andrew Wiggins over the years. He's not on the list anymore because he, 
adapted his game. He accepted his his uh, spot, not as the lead scoring guy, because that's not what he's supposed to be, but as the like do all the other stuff guy for the Warriors. To me, RJ Barrett started to show doing some of that stuff for the Knicks. Yeah. Like to be that guy who's not the superstar RJ Barrett, but who can be not Jalen Brunson, not Julius Randle, but the guy who does some of the other stuff. Like the way that Josh Hart was valuable to y'all, like seeing RJ Barrett get after it on rebounds, get out in transition where he can get some buckets, do it, you know, off the bench or, or with the bench roll a little bit, like some of those things. And also he makes the least out of him, Tyler Hero and Jordan Poole. And he's the youngest. He just yeah. turned 23. Poole is a year older and Poole makes $16 million more over the life of the contract. So to me, Jordan Poole's the other end of the spectrum. He just came from the best scenario you could possibly be in effectively for what his skill set is and it still didn't work and they were like poison we got to get rid of you so no for real though like i mean i think with when we're looking at this too like rj you had that one season and i think this is the thing that knicks fans talk about a lot right and it's they were they're like oh he had that one season where he was dynamite from three like or at least the back end of the season it's like but when we look at his whole body of work, it's like yeah. he's not really a good shooter. No. But if he was able to develop that, like that's definitely an area where you're saying like, all right, like there's a legitimate way for him to get better. But I think that really with RJ, the thing that made him a lot better was the fact that like when he in the playoffs, he almost like wasn't hesitating. Like he was like, I'm yeah. going to drive to the basket. Like, I know I'm good enough to do this. Like I like I'm big enough. I'm strong enough. RJ was a top tier talent going into that draft like he was expected to be the number one pick and then all of a sudden zion just looked like a monster (laughs) and then john morant obviously looked incredible in college as well so then he fell to three but like that was a pick at the time even as a knicks fan i was like i obviously wanted zion but i was like rj was a great pick like that was great value he wasn't expected to ever be there at three going into the season so i feel like there is like a little bit more potential there and with hero i think the problem is right like he's asked to do a lot i think for miami just because they don't really have a guy like that like they don't really have like a real point guard at this yeah. point and if he's able to just be a spot up shooter the guys the guys a great three point shooter if he's like just in catch and shoot scenarios but that's not what he's being asked to do most of the time and i think that's a little bit of the problem so I'm with you on these guys. I do think that RJ as a, as a hopeful Knicks fan can improve and, you know, you never know, like playing with some of these other guys is probably going to be helpful, you know, playing with Brunson, playing with Josh Hart, like you're getting very good team basketball and with New York, at least they're the number one team in terms of minutes continuity from last year to this year, which is depending on how you look at it, it's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, no, I think it's a good thing. And I think too, like you think of team context, Hero's another one where like it's hard to imagine a much better team context than what he's had already. Like you want him out there with four good defenders and like a tight defense around him. And we just need you to shoot and score some for us. That's Miami. Like, yeah, that's what he was doing. So it he he's good. He he is to me the best of these three guys, uh, or the best of the guys in the tier. Yeah. So, but but he also is getting paid nearly the most. He's about the same as Jordan Poole. And I worry about his team context changing, like seeing him in in Brooklyn, I think could work because there are a lot of similar things there, like Mikhail and Cam, like positive defenders around him. That seems like where he maybe would end up, but I don't know. I I would be less excited about Brooklyn using the salary slot on this guy. Like 
sure, great. Hit a lot of spot up threes, but also maybe don't for 30 million a year. Like maybe that's not a 30 million a year player. So I, I think with RJ, I think the optimism as a Knicks fan is to me of these three pool hero and, and RJ, he's had the worst team context so far. He's, he's not had a lot of spacing and that's, he needs that because basically you want him with the ball in his hands, making decisions and attacking into space. The problem is number one, he's never been a guy that makes quick decisions. So then you can't have the ball in his hands because he's turning it over and doing poorly that's why, like you said, we saw a big improvement in that in the playoffs. He's only 23. That There's still time for that part of the game to come around. Yeah. Shooting can come around. I don't think he'll ever be great at it, but it, it no. can get to average. But like the team is starting to figure out the spacing thing a little bit better. I think that's probably not going to ever be a Tibbs specialty. But no. I, 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 to me, it's good that we saw him in the most important games of his career so far in the best team contact setting of his career so far, look his best and be most valuable yeah. to winning basketball for the first time. So yeah, if, if I'm being fully honest, he's probably like 18th or 19th on the list, but it's, <laughs> it's your podcast. And I wanted it. Top 14 is no fun. We need number no. 15. So he, he probably got, he probably took CJ McCollum's spot, but I think there it's we go. a little That's bit more. It's definitely a more interesting conversation, though, too, because you have like Agreed. those three guys that are like similarly situated. Like, when people, like if people told you right now that you were building a trade for Damian Lillard around RJ Barrett, they would look at you like you were a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, that's what we're saying about like Tyler Hero. Like, it's it's not yeah. that like he's not necessarily good, but it's just like they're they're just on completely different planets in terms of like what their skill level is. So I right. think like when you com- contextualize it like this, where you're saying like the sound salaries are similar. Like what they're actually doing is like relatively similar. Obviously their on-court skill sets are slightly different, but like it's similar in terms of like what the talent level is realistically overall. And I think that, you know, like it sucks that Lonzo is part of this part. Right. But then it kind of takes us to the next tier. Right. And the next (laughs) tier is a lot of guys that are often injured um and that obviously changes the dynamics because it's like you're getting less value per game played or it's more expensive per game played but sometimes these guys their ceiling is so high that you're right. it's like we have to just we have to do it what do you what guys did you group in this tier and you know what do you think about these these couple players yeah and maybe alonzo should have just like moved down a spot so he could have been in this tier as well Either way, yeah kind of fits there to, to me, though, that I love Lonzo. I agree he would have been a very positive contract and a very positive like connector, but he's not a star. The different sort of player, the guys in this tier, at least if healthy, are supposed to be superstars. Yes. So let me run down the list of four. Tier three, the injured guys. Number 10 is our guy Zion. You talked about him with the RJ draft. Zion is just starting his max rookie extension now. Five years, $197 million. He's 23 years old. I have no idea what Zion is worth. I have no idea. Like I, we have no idea if he's going to play. If he plays, this is a bargain deal. And it goes immediately onto one of our, our best contract list. If he plays and is healthy, like he's awesome. So we'll, we'll talk about him. Number nine, Zach Levine, four years, 178 million. It's possible that it's only three years. It's a $49 million player option at the end, but we've seen that knee injury creep up with him. That's really the biggest reason he's on here. Number eight is kind of the more expensive Lonzo Ball version. Number eight is our guy, Ben Simmons. Two years, 78 million. I don't know if that dude's going to play basketball anymore. I don't know if he wants to. 
And then number seven, maybe a surprise, Michael Porter Jr., four years, 148 million, fully guaranteed, no options. That's the contract for him. And to me, that's one that is is a little bit worrisome for our defending champions right now. So 10 Zion, nine Levine, eight Ben Simmons, seven Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, I think this list, this part of the list is interesting. I think Simmons is one we can kind of talk about briefly and quickly first. It's really just the like, when he was healthy, like when he was playing for Philly before that, like whatever, whatever happened in the playoffs where he just wasn't shooting layups. Like, like when that happened, like he was great. Like I think Ben Simmons, I I was like a Ben Simmons truther almost. Like I thought he was really, really good. And like what he could do from the point guard position, like sure. He wasn't a shooter. Like that just wasn't what he did, but like he was a disruptor. He was an incredible defensive player. And it just kind of like all went out the window. And like, now we're looking at this and you're like, Oh my God, like this contract is an albatross. Right. Um, and like it's it's just it's unfortunate because it seems like he's going through just a lot like that yeah, for sure so you know we can leave that one there but well and, and just to say one thing too so he's on two years 78 million 38 this year 40 next year a note too on like both him and lonzo ball if you're on a two-year deal like a big deal like that you can't really think of it like it's possible simmons is just a 78 million dollar marginal cost like he just might not yeah. play and then you lose all that money. But really, really, you lose the 38 this year. As soon as it turns over to the new year, that's actually like not a terrible contract. You don't want to be no. spending it, but that is now a valuable $40 million expiring deal that you can sub in to the next Dame trade or whatever the version of that is as, hey, here's, you got to take back killer. money, but here's no long-term money. It's going away like with Lonzo or with Simmons when you get to that last year, and that's another thing I've had to kind of adjust over the years, like there are no expiring deals on this list. Uh, my guy, Clay Thompson, not a good contract. He's like Bad 43 contract. million. He yeah. should not be getting paid that right now, but it's only one year. You can't be on if you're expiring because you take on your own different sort of value. So just note that with Simmons, I believe him and Lonzo are the only guys on the list signed for yes. two years or less. Yeah, I think I think you're right with that. And I think that then brings us to these other guys, right? Like, I think Zion's interesting. And Zion, I think, is even different than Levine and MPJ, just based on, like, what his ceiling is, right? Like, Zion is one of those guys where you look at it and what he does when he's actually on the court and you're like, Oh, this dude's good. Like he is like wrecking defenses. Like he's a, he's a bender. Like what he, like what he does on court is dramatically changing like the outcome of a game of even like a franchise. And we're watching that almost happen and play out right now in new Orleans as a team that's trying to stay in the, under the tax. Like we kind of know historically new Orleans is not going to pay the tax. So what do you do with, Zion here yeah. when you have this monster contract, but like he's not playing and you're trying to keep under the tax and like the rest of the team is a contender and they're really good when he does play. Yeah. I mean, he, to me, Zion is, is the biggest, he was the hardest one to place on the entire list is, is he even on the list? Should he be a value contract? Is he number one on the list? You can make an argument for that as well. Like it, if I if I knew Zion was going to be basically healthy, as much as like, you know, say Giannis, for example, like there's yeah. still be nagging injuries along the way. But if I knew he was effectively healthy for five years and we get the Zion we're seeing, he to me would be probably a top five asset, period, in the NBA. On whatever deal, I don't care. He's worth more money 
healthy design is worth more than the NBA allows you to pay a player, period. So that like, if I get five years of healthiest Zion, I'm counting at least one MVP in there. I'm going to be the number one to top three offense. He's that good. Like he is, he's not Jokic. There's no other Jokic's, but like the impact he'll have on the game and the way he'll raise an offensive floor and ceiling. He's that good. He's age 23. You're getting basically entering what effectively would be a five-year worth of prime. If he's healthy ish, I think he's worth at least five years, 250, $300 million. We're we're getting him for under 200. So that's a huge bargain, but he's not healthy. We already know this. I'm going to not assume that he's Simmons or Lonzo and we just don't see him anymore. And I want to get there yet. So if I say, okay, uh, we said in the last episode, an average starter is no longer 15 million. It's maybe 18 to 20 million. Zion's not an average starter, but if I get like 40 games of awesome Zion and no games of bad Zion, then that's kind of like having an average starter. Like I got yeah. like a max player for half of the year and a nothing for half. Well, that's worth 18 or 20 million. So now we're at like five years, hundred million dollars. Now we still have a marginal value of a hundred million. That would be number one on my Crazy. list. That, that would put you to the top of the list. Um, I think probably somewhere in the middle, I think probably the fairest value you could give would be something like five years, 140, 150. The, the truth of the matter is this, there's 30 NBA teams and 20 of them, 23, 25 of them have nothing close to Zion's approximate value. If he's good, he might be terrible and he might be the albatross that sinks the Pelicans. And it, he might be why the team has to relocate because they're so bad and sunk yeah. so much money into him that it like literally ruined the franchise. It doesn't matter. He's so good and so valuable. If he hits, you have to do it. Like you have to pay him. You have to take the chance. Yeah. That's why he's last in this tier. And that's why, despite all the things I said, I would be fine with him just not being on the list at all. Because like, again, there, there are other guys, there are other like max type guys. Like again, Devin Booker still kind of made this area of my list, not as an injury guy, as a guy that like has gotten much better, but still is really expensive. But like, you got to pay for the star. Cause if Devin Booker is the thing we just saw, then it doesn't matter the price anymore. Zion is is that good. Levine, MPJ, Ben Simmons, they're not that. They are a different version of player. They are all-stars if they're healthy, but they're not Zion. Zion is MVP level if healthy. You just have to take the risk. And so I don't know where he goes. Number 10, like end of the top 10, seem like a good kind of compromise. I think think you're right. I think you just, it's one of those deals you just have to pay for. Whereas with like Levine, Michael Porter Jr., these are two guys like I thought Levine was going to be really good. And then the DeMar DeRozan acquisition, I think really like stifled his growth to a degree. And then with MPJ, it's like, look, if you're Denver, I think you just have to live with this contract. Like it just doesn't matter. Like you won a title. You've never won a title before. You never made the finals before. Like you paid to have your guys and like have like a crack at the title and it and it worked. So I think like, that's the difference between like Levine and MPJ to me, just because like MPJ was kind of that like X factory piece, like him, Bruce Brown, right. Where it's like, look, they were, they Denver felt like those were guys that they needed to surround Jokic with to have a title contender. Whereas Levine is just kind of like middling on the bulls. Uh, That's, that's kind of how I feel the differences between these two guys. Yeah, I think so. I think MPJ is kind of the bigger X factor, both that he has probably still the higher ceiling, but also the lower floor of the two. Yeah. Uh, 
to me, the fact that Denver just won a title changes MPJ's career because I genuinely think if Denver, well, if Denver would have lost the finals, but not to Miami, like to Boston or Milwaukee or someone respectable, then probably that would have been fine. If Denver doesn't make the finals this year, the year that we just finished, I think MBJ is, is off the roster. Traded. I think like yeah. he's traded this summer because this team is really expensive and the Cronkies do, do not like to pay out of their pocket. Like they're in this to make some money. Yeah. And he's the guy, he's the swing piece. Like he's the only real upside left on the team. They've got like, you know, the, the bench is gone. The bench is all these young guys now that we just have to develop and hope can like soak up some minutes and turn into a Monty Morris type player for them. And they probably will, but like, Jokic is already awesome, doesn't need to get any better, is already the greatest. Jamal Murray, we saw take the leap in the playoffs. We saw what he can be now. Aaron Gordon, he is what he is. Like he he's that. He's KCP is what he is. They're fine. They're they're what Denver needs, but they're not gonna give the team a boost. Like if there's a different level for MPJ or, or for Denver to get to, it's gotta be Porter. But I, I don't know if he can be around for it because like, like look, I, I bet on him a bunch in the playoffs. You and I both did on like yeah. rebounds and threes and like uh we had a first first person viewing. It did not go well. Our bets did not oh. cash on Michael Porter Jr. He had he was bad. He was bad in the playoffs. He barely even could like stay on the court in the finals because he could not hit the broad side of a barn. Yeah. He's not that player. So I don't know. Is that he tweaked his back or he just you, you lose Whatever the confidence or, yeah. or I don't know what it does. But to me, he's a very fascinating contract on this list because I think there's a very good chance that he is not on Denver's roster a year or two from now, even yeah. if he start, if he becomes a star and what you're paying him for, then maybe you just suck it up and keep on going. And maybe you have to get rid of Gordon and fill in the gap there or something. But in all likelihood, at some point, Denver is going to find more value. Even if MPJ is that good, Jokic and Murray are so good. And Porter Jr. is not really a defender. Like he, his skill set, somebody else. Yeah. Right. You need a different thing. You don't need what he could give you, even the really good version of him. And the something else that Denver is going to end up needing is like two or three guys in the salary slot instead of 40 million, which is where he's at in the final year of his deal. So I think at some point, MPJ probably needs to get traded for two or three salary pieces. Levine, not the same sort of X factor. Like, I think we know what he is at this point, but the knee injury with him is really big because so much of his game is just about athleticism and like, there's a chance, I hope it's not, my Chicago Bulls, but like if the injury keeps going and, and zaps his athleticism or just doesn't let him play at all, like he could just be number one on the list because suddenly you just have a guy that is cooked and like can't contribute it's anymore. Just, it's over. Yeah. And like obviously he hops into the player option for 49 million at that point because you're not getting that if you can't really contribute positive basketball. So, and like he's a guy that I think we know by now is not going to massively move the needle for your team like he's important and if you are you know like the the Sixers or if you're the Lakers if you get Zach Levine as your third guy okay well we're talking now like come in and just like knock down shots and be open thing yeah yeah so like I think that he could still be that and I would guess toward the end of this deal he probably becomes that somewhere to me he is and we'll get here spoiler alert but he, he is Bradley Beal, but not, not as bad. Like they're very similar players, but it's just not as damaging of a contract. But to me as a Bulls fan, quote unquote, I, I will unquote myself on that. To me, the Bulls are the Wizards, except that the Wizards decided that who they were and pulled the plug and Chicago hasn't admitted that to itself yet. But the Levine Beal comparison is kind of the core of that to me.
Yeah. So I think that that's, I think that's a great point. And I think it leads us into our next three who are just like, who are honestly not the most interesting players to talk about. Right. <laughs> They're not. So we won't we'll, say much about these we'll, guys. <laughs> we'll, keep, we'll keep this part a little bit shorter, but you have this tier title, the secondary guys who think that they're not. And I think it's fascinating <laughs> because I think you're right. And I'm, I'm most interested in the last guy on the, that you yeah. have here. Uh, it's a three person tier. Hit us with this list. So, so let's just do the first two first. Cause then the other yeah. guy I think we'll do separately. So number six is Jeremy Grant. He's our last deal that has been signed this summer to make the list. Kudos yeah. to the NBA, by the way, normally if I do this list every summer, normally like five to seven of the top 10 are deals that just got signed. Cause that's how this yeah. goes every year. Awful money comes in and it gets worse every year. The, the, in this case, the cap is going up so much that I kind of reverse the trend a little bit. Five years, 160 million on him. Uh, and then number five is DeAndre Ayton. Three years, $102 million. He's 25. He can't stay on the court in the playoffs. Like you said, like these are like fourth banana dudes on like a, a really good team. And they're, just, they're getting paid as second guys. So they probably think that they're stars. They're just not that it's interesting, rough. but they're getting paid yeah. too much. And I mean, I think for both of these guys, it was situations with like Phoenix. Phoenix was like, well, we just got to spend the money here because like yeah. we can't replace it. And then with Jeremy Grant, I think it was like a half-assed attempt by the Blazers to keep Dame. And then it's like, well, we can't renege on this contract offer. So I think that that leads us to this next guy who is particularly interesting because <laughs> of the fact that like he didn't sign the deal yet, but we know it's like inevitable that he is going to get this deal. And that guy is Jalen Brown. Yeah. So this, so this is our hypothetical slot. This is assuming Jalen Brown signs that super max that he is now eligible for because he made all NBA. He should not have made all NBA and that's Crazy. the rules. He's Crazy. now eligible to sign a five-year, $290 million Supermax deal versus without that, the max he could have signed would have been four years, $184 million. So because of the all-NBA inclusion, he is eligible for an extra over $100 million now to this deal. I have Jalen Brown's correct value, and this honestly is giving him a little more value than I would want to personally. I think that he's a little more overrated than I'm letting on with these numbers, but I have him worth four years, 180, which is about what he should be getting without the Supermax. But if it's a five-year deal, I have him five, 225. So marginal value, $65 million, 13 million a year over the next five years. So that's Jalen Brown. And I'm very curious. He's the only Celtics on this list. We're going to get on our next episode to the positive values. There's a bunch of Celtics on yeah. there. Boston has been really good at getting great contract values. So I wonder if this whole conversation on Jalen is going to end up moot because maybe he just doesn't get the Supermax. Maybe Boston is too smart for this and doesn't get there. If he gets the 5-290 and gets paid this crazy massive deal, like that, that's an average value of $58 million per year, which means that we're up 65, you know, getting towards yeah. 70 in the final year at age 31. It's just too much. He is not a face of a franchise guy. He's not a number one. I think if he goes to a team to become a number one, it's going to go very poorly for him and for that team. And I think that he is going to end up on this list if he signs that Supermax deal. Yeah, I think with Brown, it's particularly interesting because I think that the talent is redundant to Tatum, but just not as good. 
So it's like, yeah. it's, it's one of those situations where like Boston really, I think should explore trading him. Like, like they should strongly consider trading him um, just based on that and like get somebody else that would fit alongside Tatum a bit better. We'll see what they do. But I think that it's, particularly i think it's a particularly tough spot for the franchise because they're now presented with this decision with like you have two guys that are really that like he's still good like he's not like he's a bad player but it's just like the amount of money is going to contextualize the play which is like unfortunate for jalen brown because he does have instances where you're like wow he's really good but it's like he's not super max good despite the fact that he qualifies for the super max and i think that that brings us to like one of like the <laughs> saddest parts of this tier one massively damaging deals this has to like literally just hurt your soul on like a regular basis <laughs> that way that you have this done i yeah. mean it's just like it, it's it's a crumbling it's a crumbling center here so <laughs> it is that is a well well put joe a crumbling center indeed my Timberwolves fandom comes to to die and, and cry and just live out a miserable life here. Like we almost don't even have to talk too long about these deals because I think there are no surprises here. Here's the final three. Number three, massively damaging deal. Rudy Gobert, three years, 132 million. That third year is a player option for 47 million. Spoiler alert, he's picking up that option. Oh, he ain't yeah. going anywhere on 47 million. He, he was just not that great last year. Like he was, I have charitably offered him to be an average starting salary guy, which I think is charitable to his play last season. And even at that level makes him about a three year, $65 million deal. So a marginal value cost of $64 million, $21 million per year over the next three years for a guy that the Timberwolves, my Timberwolves traded like literally I think I owe something as part of the trade. They traded <laughs> like four picks and several swaps and multiple players just for this in order to move the next guy off the list and to from center to power forward right after he got his super max for being so, a center and for being a center where he's more valuable. And then they paid him and immediately moved him to not being a valuable. That of course is Carl Anthony towns, five years, $261 million. Again, finally, your player option for $65 million. He's going to be picking that option up. I have Carl Anthony Towns. Again, I felt I was pretty charitable here. I think Towns is good. I think Towns in the right situation at center on the right team is still a really good, like, top five center if they used him right. The term rules yeah. are not right now. I, I yeah. Well, I, we won't get into how, what I would do with this team. But giving him value that way still made me give him a five-year 180 deal, which still gave him an $80 million marginal value. And frankly, one that gets worse as it goes, because yeah. now at the end, he's 31, he's 32 as a center. Centers do not age well into their 30s historically. And so his value is going to be dropping as his price is going up to 60 and 65 million. That, that for me is $16 million a year, five years of value. And, and it's going to get worse. Like for hilariously, when I was ranking these guys, I initially had in my notes erroneously that towns had a $261 million deal for six years instead of five. So when I was giving him my marginal contract, I added on a sixth year, like that makes him more valuable. So I added on like $25 million of value to the end. And then I saw the mistake 
But before I caught the mistake, even with my whole extra year of value I was giving him, he was still the third worst contract in the entire NBA. So he was already that bad with with effectively with a free year. So once I took that out, I had to move him ahead of Gobert because I think Towns is the better player and the better asset as a player right now at his age. But that contract is really bad. And Joe, hopefully coming soon to New York Knicks near you. No, we, I don't, I don't think I need, I feel like he would just not really fit in New York, honestly, despite being from New Jersey. It's just kind of one of those things where it's like, I, I, I struggle to see how the, uh, the New York media would treat him. But I do think that the question that I have, and I think this is an interesting one, right? If you're Minnesota, if you're running the organization, I think you can definitely get a little bit more for Cat than Gobert, right? But I think the question is, do you think that you should retool around that? Or do you just, like, I, personally, I think they should just trade Gobert, just say, like, look, we know what he is. Like, he's still a defensive anchor. Like, there are teams that could use him um, and just kind of cut your losses and just be like, look, like, we'll get a couple picks for him. Like, he's not going to, he's still going to return something. Like, we know that he's still good defensively he's a rebounder and you can just make up the marginal difference by betting on his ladders and like betting on his alt props so like (laughs) it's fine but like do or do you think that they should rebuild around ant and gobert i think they should just say look gobert was like not it didn't work let's ship him out try to bring something else back in we'll rebuild around cat and ant yeah i so i of course have a very strong position on this question joe as i'm sure that you suspected (laughs) To me, it's an absolute no-brainer. There's no question about it. You got to trade one of them because there's just it's they're paying 110 million to Gobert and Towns and Nas Reed, who they apparently just yeah. couldn't let go. Had to bring him back for a bunch of money as well. Like fine player, but third string center on this team effectively. It's not going to be the rotation, realistically. Like you yeah, shouldn't I mean, be. Yeah, like- I mean, it, it is what it is. The team is effectively setting up for life after moving one of these guys. To me, it's got to be trade Rudy Gobert. Like they, they should never have done it in the first place. I hated it from the second that I heard the trade. But to me, the timeline just makes zero sense at all. Like here's where we're at. Like uh, when we get to the hope rankings and our, our final version of this podcast, I talk about like three year windows. So in this three year window right now, Towns will be 27, age 27 to 30. Like that's, that's prime. That should be prime. It's getting wasted right now, but he's the one guy in the team in his prime and is 22 and is going to be 22 to 24 and not even entering, like just starting to get to his prime. He's in the early Devin Booker stages where he's still like not nearly as good as the flash that we see or the guy on the Adam Sandler movie. Like he's, he's not that good yet. He's, he's fun. We like him. We saw in the playoffs, if, if that playoff version comes back, he's great and, and, and awesome and in his prime. But in all likelihood, him and Jaden McDaniels are three years away from like hitting their prime where Cat is. And then you got Rudy, age 31, Mike Conley, age 35, past their prime. Like they're moving the wrong direction. So the timeline makes zero sense. Rudy and Con- like nobody thinks Conley is going to be around. But like if you keep Towns, and not Rudy, and just go back to what the team was before, get what you can for Rudy, cut your losses, admit your mistake. You at least get a timeline that sort of works. You get a team that sort of works because Towns spacing out gives Ant room to attack the basket rather than Rudy Gobert just like eating up space in the paint and and taking that away. It just never made sense. And like Tim Connolly has done a really nice job with the draft. I love Leonard Miller, the second round guy they got. Like 
all the stuff around the fringes and Chris Finch coaching. We, we love him. Like he's done it. Both these guys have done a really nice job. I just don't think it works with Kat and Rudy. No. And I absolutely like from the moment they did the Rudy trade, I was like, great. So now they're going to neuter the value of Kat and then have to trade him at lower value because they've screwed his value up. This has always been the presumed end game from the moment they got him. I agree with you. Count your loss. Get out of the Rudy deal. I think you're right. Like in the right team context, he'd be valuable in a winning player on the right team that just like needs a rim protector um, and, and like a decent finisher on offense. But go back to the team that it's supposed to be with Ant as the centerpiece. Cat yep. as a really good secondary scoring option. Space things out. Move him to center. Play your Leonard Miller at the four. Play Jaden at the four. Like figure the team out where it goes. It's just not Rudy, but also I think that it's absolutely going to be Rudy and then Kat's going to be the one gone. Yeah. They're going to take worse value on Kat. More. Yeah. They're just like, going to dig in their more. heels and, and do the thing that everyone thinks that they shouldn't because that's that's the end game here. Timberwolves, baby. I'm sad. Timberwolves. <laughs> so at least, at least though, the Timberwolves, they, they have two of the worst contracts in the <laughs> NBA, but at least they don't have the worst contract yeah. in the NBA. We need a drum roll or some sort, like, <laughs> like yeah. Well, we could not, we couldn't afford a drum roll because Bradley Beal took our money from the drum roll too. It's part of his no trade clause. Like everyone knows, Bradley Beal is number one on the list. Four years, two hundred eight million. Again, player option. He'll be picking up at the end of that. The no trade clause is still on the deal. Went with yeah. him on the new deal to Phoenix. So, like in a year or two, when Phoenix is like, oh balls, we're paying over $200 million to our four guys right now. Like he Bradley Beal is now the Michael Porter jr of Phoenix, where he's the guy that in a couple of years, when they figure out what they're doing, that they should be like, mm, kind of redundant. We've got these other pieces here that do the Beal stuff better. Let's trade this salary slot for something else. Oh wait, we can't because he controls everything we do. He's the thing Damian Lillard is pretending to be, yep. but actually has that much power in his contract. And on top of it, he gets injured all the time. And so it could be even worse than we have. And I have $75 million marginal value here, 18 million a year. And even when he was really, really good, he's a horrendous defender on a team that badly needs defense. And he's maxed out to me as like a three BPM player, which is a good borderline all-star type player by getting paid. Like he's this like top 10, he's getting paid like Devin Booker in the playoffs yeah. and he's not even Devin Booker in the regular season. Good. And never has been. Yeah. I know he led the league in scoring hooray for counting stats and points. Like I know if you're listening, that's what you think. It's like, no, Bradley Beal is a good team building play. He fits a lot of teams. Everyone needs a shooter. Everyone needs to score all the good stuff, but he's just not this valuable. He never has been. And the no trade and the 15% trade kicker and all the details put over the top. Bradley Beal, number one, he was there last year. He'll be there probably next year and then start to fall down as we get toward the end of it finally. Yeah, I think Beal is particularly interesting. It's just like the contract, the no trade clause, I don't know if we're ever going to really see another one of these like again for like a very long time just because of what this was. Like it's insane that Washington was like, yeah, we're going to tank. And then like, they gave him this no trade. Like it's, it's crazy because it's like, obviously he was going to ask for, to get out. And like, it's honestly, I, I, it's, it's honestly like impressive that they were able to get what they got back for him 
given the fact that he had a no trade clause and basically was like, I only want to go to Phoenix, who also had nothing to really trade for him. But like they still got back like what was a relatively like decent package, I guess, just because the fact that they're out of this contract now. I mean, it's just it's one of those deals where I think that Beal is good. And it's like what you said is kind of like what you were saying, but it's like the number is crazy. And it's like, we start talking about players and we contextualize what they're making and how it impacts these teams and team building. And it's like, you're not really building a winner if you're paying Bradley Beal this much money and like Phoenix in particular, where you're looking at them and you go, all right, well, uh, you have Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, Bradley Beal, and then literally every other player on a one-year deal with a player option <laughs> because like you had to give them some other reason to play for your team. So that you're like, I'm going to throw a player option on for you because then at least you can kind of control it a little bit. But yeah. like that, that's what this is. It's, it's, it's nuts. So this deal sucks. Phoenix, you know, like I can't wait to bet against them. And I think that's yeah. kind of where this leads us, you know, where we're saying like, all right, like these are some of the worst contracts in the league. And it's not really setting your team up in the greatest position to succeed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I was going to say. Kind of in a conclusion here. And, and, you know, this is a, this is an actionable type podcast. So if I'm looking at an actionable takeaway here, I think from Denver's perspective that MPJ is is on the list is going to be a worry at some point because either that he got hurt or that he has to move. Like at some point, I think Denver is going to have to do a two steps back, three steps forward sort of thing and kind of play the long game with MPJ where they probably have to move him to get other pieces and get a little worse in order to get better later. And that could happen like in the middle of the year. You know, that could happen this year, for example. I think it probably won't now that they won the title. But at some point, that's a fear with like a Denver future. To me, though, it's impossible to ignore. Jalen Brown is number four on the list. I guess to Jalen Brown, to me, I posted this on Twitter the other day and Celtics fan had an absolute heyday hating on me for it. Jalen Brown, once he signs the super max, Jason Tatum's on his current max for two years, but it's like the rookie max. He obviously is going to get the super max after that. He will deserve it. He's fantastic. At that point, after two more years of basketball, Boston is going to have to make a decision. Either they can have both Jays like they do now, but not have the amazing supporting cast anymore, or they can have Tatum, not Jalen Brown, and keep the supporting cast. They can't do it both. They can't have Jason and Jalen and the really good supporting cast of like the three through seven guys. They can't. It's just too expensive. It's never going to happen that way. So that's, to me, that gives a two-year window with this, group that the two J's and strong cast has a two year expiration on it. And it may not even last that long. Jalen might get traded before then potentially, but otherwise if assuming his contract is still hypothetical, our top four is sons, wolves, wolves, sons. And I don't think the wolves being on there twice is a real surprise to anybody. Like we kind of know that we know where they're at. We talked about them accordingly that the sons have two of the top four To me, I think we have to keep that in mind with them. Like we just are magically assuming that they got their hoopers and they're going to be this amazing title team now, but we've got injury prone guys who are redundant and don't necessarily fit together and who are very bad deals. And like, what happens if this does not go very well? And like, what if Kevin Durant picks up some more injuries and starts missing time again, gets like the Kawhi situation, maybe Devin Booker is going to be like, 
yo, I don't want to sit around on this $200 million team with all these bad deals around. Like I want to go play for a winner. And apparently that might not be Phoenix at that point. And you can't get off of Beal and you might not get off of Aiton at that point. So uh, this, this exercise more than anything else gives me concern. Not that I didn't have any already, but about the Phoenix Suns that they, if I have to talk about Phoenix the same way I talk about Minnesota and oh boy, do I not say nice things about my Minnesota Timberwolves? <laughs> that is a real concern for me from a Suns perspective. No, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting situation, and I think that we may see sunset creeping up a little bit faster than those <laughs> have anticipated. So this was a fun episode. You guys need to stay tuned for the next episode, which we're, where we will be talking about our what we think are the best contracts in the NBA. So that way you can prepare and kind of say like, all right, these guys, these teams are in an excellent position to start building a championship contender. So thanks for doing this with me, Brandon. It was a pleasure having you on as always. Thanks for having me.